Awesome. Here at Sycamore View, our vision is that we want to be about an awakening, an awakening to the greatness of Jesus. We launched eight core values back in May of this year. You can see those on our website. And throughout the rest of the month of October, we're going to have some challenges and some focused prayer time on our core value of connecting people to God. And every month from now through April, we're going to focus on one of our core values and have some challenges and prayer times that will go with that. When it comes to connecting people to God, it's a really good reminder, especially in a season like what we're in right now, that this is the mission of the church, that we are men, we are called by God to help other people connect to God's heart, God's mission, everything God is about. Right now, I'm in a nine-week series. This is week two in the book of 1 Peter, and we're calling this series um, Resident Strangers. That throughout 1 Peter, Peter reminds people, he reminds Christians that your call is to be strange in this world, to be different. So open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to read the first two verses of 1 Peter 1 this morning and point out a few things in here. I, I, uh, so good to see faces right here in this room, and I want to welcome all those who are joining us online. And I want to encourage you, whether you're online watching or in person, that you will take a few notes. Even in these first two verses, sometimes we can skip over introductions in some of these letters in the Bible, but they are so loaded with truth and identity and mission. And I want to help point out a few of these things this morning. In 1 Peter chapter 1, the first two verses, it's this, Peter. So he begins with his own name, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the chosen strangers. And depending what version you read, some of you, right here it says God's elect or God's chosen, and then it's either strangers or exiles or sojourners, and the two words are together in the Greek, and some of your versions, they're separated a little bit, but his introduction right here to the church is you are chosen strangers of the dispersion, and then he names five provinces in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen and destined by God the Father, sanctified by the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in abundance. And some of your versions, may grace and peace multiply. May it be great. And for the reading of the word this morning, can the churches say amen? Amen. Let's start with verse 1, because to open up this letter, Peter starts out with his name, Peter. But this wasn't the name his parents gave him. This wasn't the name he was given when he was circumcised, and was, he was, when he was handed his birth certificate. The name his parents gave him was Simon. They named him Simon, which was a well-known name in that time, and it was a name that meant listening or hearing. So how many times in his childhood did his parents say something like, we named you Simon for a reason, like listening and hearing. That's what we named you. So listen and hear. So Simon had been his name for years. And we, this happens sometimes today. I mean, some of you go by a name that is not on your birth certificate. Uh, th this happens quite a bit. I mean, Laura Jean is now known as Reese Witherspoon. And aren't we kind of glad she went with Reese? Uh, th th there's a Peter Hernandez goes by Bruno Mars. And, you know, there's a guy named Eric Bishop who decided when he became a famous comedian or a well-known comedian, he needed to change his name to something that was more unique. So Eric Bishop now goes by Jamie Foxx. Like, I mean, this happens all the time. 
And here is a guy named Simon who for the second half of his life, once he became an adult, hardly ever went by Simon anymore because someone else gave him a different name. And Jesus gave Simon a different name. He named him Peter. And this happened in Matthew chapter 16 when there's this encounter between Jesus and his apostles. And Jesus asked his apostles, who do people say I am? And they said, man, some people think you're John the Baptist. And some people think you're Elijah. And some people think you're like a prophet. And then Jesus said, what about you? Who do you say I am? And this is a moment Peter opened up his mouth and something of substance came out, which didn't always happen with Peter. And Peter said, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God. He makes this great confession, and it's right there in Caesarea Philippi. In Matthew 16, that Jesus says, from now on, you're not just going to be Simon. Your name's going to be Peter, which means rock. And Jesus says, and it's in this place right now, I'm launching the church. And I think what Jesus was saying was right now in Caesarea Philippi, you're surrounded by all this evil and there's, there's pressure that's coming upon you. And right now, we're launching the church to be this force in the world, not to be a movement that like hides in places, but we are going into the world. And he, and he gave Peter a brand new name. So when Peter starts out his letter, he doesn't start out with Simon, the name his family gave him. He starts out with Peter, the name Jesus gave him. Peter was his great apostle. He names himself like, I'm Peter. I am an apostle of Jesus. He was an apostle because Jesus called him as a fisherman to be this follower who would then become this great leader in the church. Peter was a great preacher, and he had multiple encounters with Jesus in which he would never be the same again. There's an encounter of the transfiguration, the resurrection of Jesus. In Acts 2, when he preaches a sermon in which at least 3,000 people were baptized. In Acts 10, he had this encounter with God that taught him that the good news of Jesus is not just for the Jews alone. It's also for the Gentiles. This happened in a vision in which a sheet came down full of unclean animals. And this is where I usually joke with all my vegan friends in Acts 10. That sheet did not have kale hanging over the side of it. It didn't have salad and hummus hanging over the side. It was bacon wrapped, you fill in the blank. It was dry ribs. That's, and it wasn't just a vision of unclean foods. It was also meant to, hey, there are people who you have thought have been unclean that are now clean. And there are foods that maybe you haven't eaten that now for the sake of table fellowship and relationships, now there's going to be some food that, that are going to be, it's going to be a place in front of you. And it's in Acts 10 that God opens Peter's eyes to this brand new mission that's inviting all people into God. The Bible doesn't tell us how Peter died. But history says that Peter's death, he he died in the hands of the Roman Empire. And he died on a cross, a crucifixion, much like Jesus. But he didn't see it worthy to die like Jesus. So he asked to be hung upside down hanging on a cross as he died for the cause of Christ. Peter was a great preacher, an effective preacher, a great leader. And there were times where Peter got it wrong and he fell into pressure. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul says that there was this one moment when Peter began to side too much with the Jews and was excluding the Gentiles in a home. And Paul says, I opposed him to his face. And then there are other times where Peter got it right. Like in Acts chapter 15. When all the leaders, apostles, and elders met in Jerusalem to discuss Gentile inclusion. And they're they're there to discuss it and to discern and to offer advice to churches all over the place. And Peter stood up and Peter said, look, we can talk all day about what the Bible says. But I've got to tell you, I've had an experience with God in which Gentiles are now invited into the kingdom. 
And he shared personal testimony and personal experience. Peter writes to churches in these five provinces. And for what we know, Peter never visited these places. He didn't plant these churches. Yet representatives from those provinces were present in Acts chapter 2 when Peter preached at Pentecost. So maybe he played a role in launching these churches in these provinces. But for what we know, he did not know these people personally. But he wrote to them because he loved them. And I think Peter had heard somehow, some way, these people, had, they, heard, they knew about God and they wanted to love God. And they're living in places where there was a lot of social pressure that was coming upon them. In which there were economic consequences and relational consequences. And he's, he's writing to them to encourage them in their faith. To encourage them to keep going. He was writing as a leader with hope who saw great potential and opportunity in a church and was encouraging them to be who God had called them to be. And I, and I get to stand up this morning in front of people and in front of screens with great hope that God is moving in the present day church and God is launching this church, our church, his church, into the future with great hope. And I see people and I talk to people every week who are moving through this season with great faith. Wanting to pray like they've never prayed before. Wanting to serve whoever the needy may be. Who do not want to be taken down by fear, but who want to be known for great love. And he's, Peter's writing to this church with great love to encourage them. And when Peter starts out his letter, he, he tells them, he's, give, he's giving them an identity. And what he says is, you are chosen strangers. You are God's elect, and you are called to be different. Chosen strangers. Now, to be chosen by God. To be the elect. This shows up a few times in scripture. And depending what church you're in. They may interpret the elect differently. I think when the Bible talks about God's elect. Or God's chosen people. It's not that God has decided. In the very beginning. What human beings he's going to allow into heaven. And what human beings are going to go to hell. I think this is God who is ordained. And there's that God has chosen a movement. And a path. And a people. And human beings have choices, whether they want to step into what God has chosen for his church and for a movement in the world. And then it's your chosen strangers. And I talked about this some last week. I don't think to be a stranger in First Peter is about vertical separation from God. It's about horizontal challenges in life. So Peter's writing to these people, look, you were chosen, which means there's this vertical relationship that has now been changed forever. It is a great privilege. You're chosen and you're a stranger, which means there's maybe some disadvantagement in how you go about dealing with relationships in your life. You're a chosen stranger. This is who you are. This is your identity. And now the Bible calls us to live into that identity. To represent it and wear it well. Where you both know who you are and what you are called by God to do. And for the people of God. It's not just a matter of you knowing who you are and not doing anything about it. And it's not just wanting to do things for God but not be reminded of who you are. It's identity and it's commitment. And for Peter, throughout First Peter, what he reminds people of multiple times is you've got to train your mind and discipline your mind and prepare your mind to stay committed to God no matter what. There's uh, some research in an article that came out back in 2016. It was done by the Journal of Experimental uh, Psychology out of a university in London. And the title of the article was, You're Not Going to Change Your Mind. 
And what the article argues for is that there are a lot of things in life that we allow our minds to be informed by certain sources. And once our mind has been made up about something, there's nothing that can happen to change it. Now, there's some things I believe in that you're not going to change my mind about. I'm convinced that Fresh Prince was the best show of the 1990s. And you could have your own opinion about Seinfeld or Friends or Rescue 911, but I'm pretty sure I'm right about this one. I'm convinced, I don't think you're going to change my mind, that Jason Bourne could take down Captain America any day of the week. I'm convinced, no, you don't, you don't think I'm right? We'll talk about it later at the house, all right? <laughs> I'm convinced a banana pudding is a fruit. Do you believe that? It's a banana. This article in 2016 had done research based on the presidential election leading up to November of 2016 between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And the research was that people will go to great lengths sometimes to believe whatever it is they want to believe regardless of any facts. So what you had are people who weeks before the election had already determined in their mind who they were voting for and there were no facts or no allegations or no stories about whether it was emails or sexual abuse uh, um, allegations that could change anyone's mind. And what it sometimes means is that a few years ago, President Obama could have come up with a cure for cancer and there are people who would not give him credit for it or President Trump could come up with a cure for cancer and there are those who would not give him credit for it because our minds have already been made up. So here's how the last week has gone, at least in my life and in, in many of our lives. I don't know about you, the last seven days feels like 70 days. Last Sunday morning, there was a church in Greensboro, South Carolina an all-black Church of Christ. They got into their worship service Sunday morning, and it was a Zoom worship service. They were online, and they got hijacked by a few people who came in with racist tendencies, who began posting things and images of using the N-word and go back to your cotton fields, and it's horrific. So I've spent hours of my week partnering with a few other white ministers throughout the United States, reaching out to this church in South Carolina offering prayers. In fact, we're a part of their worship service this morning. We recorded about a 20-minute video offering prayers and making a few statements, wanting to encourage this church. And I don't know what you were doing Tuesday night, but I know tens of millions of people decided to watch, I guess you could call it a debate. And I went to bed Tuesday night. I don't know about you, I just went to bed sad embarrassed and to see polls based on the debate where very few people felt informed and very few minds are going to be changed most minds are already made up of if people are going to vote or who they're going to vote for come november and then the last few days we see that there's no place that the coronavirus that covid cannot and will not go it, it can reach people of any class any group now, 1 Peter writes to people in the Roman Empire, 
In fact, we're going to get to it in a few weeks where Peter gives them some challenges about what it's like to live in and under the Roman Empire, and he calls them to submission. And there are times where Paul calls people to honor your, the authorities and to pray for them and, and never to worship them, but you, but you honor them. And when it comes to being a citizen of a country, one thing Peter and Paul encourage people to do, one is you make sure you commit your life to good deeds no matter what. And Peter and Paul encourage people to pray. Pray for your leaders, whether you like them or not. You pray for them. So whether you like President Trump and his family or not, we're asking God to rid him and his family of this illness, just like we're praying that God would rid everyone in this world of this illness. Peter writes to these churches in 1 Peter. And he, when he writes to him, he doesn't encourage them to change their jobs or change their vocations or change where they live. He doesn't, he doesn't encourage them in those way, any of those ways. He does, he, and I do want to make this argument today. When Peter writes to these churches in 1 Peter, he's not writing to them, trying to encourage them to believe in Jesus. He's writing to them to encourage them to behave in ways that align with how they believe in Jesus. He's writing to them about behavior. And let me just read a few verses for you. There's seven of them. And, and there are more places in 1 Peter that talk about conduct and good deeds and behavior. But here are just a few. And maybe one of these will stick. Maybe one of these will be a verse you need to hear and maybe stand on and recite to yourself or put on a note card this week. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, he says this. These, and he's referring to sufferings that, uh, that people, especially social pressure that they're under. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. In chapter 1, verse 13, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. In chapter 2, verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day God visits us. In chapter 3, 8 and 9, it says this, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. In 1 Peter 4, verse 7 and 8, it says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober uh, mind so that you may pray. And above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And in chapter 4, verse 11, it says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, and Peter's not just writing to church leaders right here. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Peter's not writing to these churches in 1 Peter, trying to tell them how to believe, like to believe in Jesus. Instead, what he's, what he's writing is to argue, okay, because you believe in Jesus, here's the kind of life you're called to live. And because you believe in Jesus, because you've been baptized in the Jesus, there's some things you say and there's some things you can't say. Because you believe in Jesus, there are certain ways you're called to pray for all people. Right? Because you've been baptized, you can't say things like you hate Muslims or gays or there are certain groups that you won't lay before God. Because you have been baptized, you behave in a certain kind of way. So, around the 4th century, 
there was a change that began to happen in the Roman Empire where those in, in authority became Christians. And when this happened, citizenship of the kingdom of God and citizenship of places in this world became so intertwined that sometimes at a baptism you were handed both a baptism certificate but also your birthright, like your birth citizenship at the same time. And what this did is that the church began sometimes to implement forms of violence because they had allowed their national allegiance and their kingdom allegiance to be intertwined that they couldn't tell the difference. So you had someone like Augustine, one of the early church fathers, who wrote in Diane Butler Bass in one of her books, uh, quotes and tries to summarize part of Augustine. And she says this, Christians have forgotten that they are citizens of two cities, the one Augustine called the city of men and the one Augustine called the city of God. They conflated the two into one, fully identifying Rome's interests with Jesus' way. And First Peter is riding to these provinces, encouraging them, be something different. And he tells them, you're, you're strangers, like you are chosen strangers in the land. And here's what's so wild about this, all right? Some of the early church leaders, over a hundred years later, quoted First Peter more than they quoted any other New Testament book. And from church leaders like Polycarp or letters that were written like First Clement later on down the line or about 60 years after Peter wrote First Peter, there's a guy named Pliny who was a leader in a province who wrote quoting First Peter. And part of the phrases he used to describe Christians were that they were strangers. Like this became an identifying mark for the people of God. That no matter where they lived, they knew that they were called by God to be a different kind of people. Not just to fit in anywhere they went. They were called to be, to be different, and it worked. So Peter writes to people who took on the name of being these strangers, these chosen strangers, and handed it on to their children and to the next generation and the next generation, that this became an identifying mark. And I want to believe that in this room and on the screens today, that there are decisions that many of us are making in the month of October in 2020 to be faithful to God in which fruit will come from your faithfulness maybe 20, 40, 60 years from now because we are choosing this month in the time we are living in to take seriously things in the world but to give all of our allegiance to the kingdom of God and fruit will come from our faithfulness. There's a story I've told in the past, but a woman whose mother died and she was driving through church. She was a visitor at our church one Sunday. And Kip, I guess if you and a praise team want to go ahead and come and uh, come to lead us in a song here in just a moment. But she said, can I tell you a story about my mom? She was driving from a funeral. She stopped in. She said, my mom, her name was Dorothy. And Dorothy had just passed away in a she said, my mom loved God and my mom loved to talk. She was a, a woman full of love for Jesus and wanted other, other people to know about it. So the last few years of her life, she had a stroke that left her speechless. She couldn't talk. And she was placed in a home where professional people could take care of her. But even in that home, even though she could not speak a word, she began to make friends with other people who lived there. Just the expressions of her face, how she would hold hands, gestures, things she would read, just ways she would interact with people. And when Dorothy died, there was one woman in that home who told the other employees there, I need you to find me Dorothy's minister. 
And Dorothy's minister came and sat down with this woman, and that woman said, I need you to tell me about Dorothy's God. And the minister shared with her about Dorothy's God. And there is this elderly woman. They took her to a church where in her wheelchair, they lowered her into the water and she was baptized because there was a woman named Dorothy who even though the circumstances in her life left her speechless, refused to be a woman who didn't live the rest of her life for God. And the love of God flowed through her. So right now, I want you just to hear. This is who you are in God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. You are God's chosen people. God chose you. This week, let's choose God. You were sanctified by the Spirit. Which means that the Spirit of God is not just interested in changing your status, but in changing your heart, your mind, your life. And you were chosen by God and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus, which means that we're not just going to follow the rules, but we're going to model Jesus' behavior. And that you've been sprinkled with His blood. And to be sprinkled by the blood of Jesus is not something that God now hovers over your head to cover you with shame or fill you with shame or point out the things in your life that you've done wrong. You have been sprinkled, which means you have been purified. You have been touched by God. There is nothing in your life but the name of Jesus that can define who you are. And may grace and peace be yours this week in abundance. For those of you online, if there's anything we can do for you, a prayer we can pray, a confession of faith, maybe you want to be baptized. We have a connect card online. We'd love for you to fill that out. And for those of you in person, after this worship service is over, if you'll go through those doors, there's a room to the right, and we'll have an elder, one of our shepherds there, to receive you for prayer or pastoral care, anything we can do for you. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. If you will, just open your hands where you are. God, right now, this day and in this season, may we become less, may you become more. We are chosen, and we are called to be strange. And this is how the church does some of its best work. May we be your people this week. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.